listening to For the Love of God Pod. For the Love of God Welcome to For the Love of God Podcast, a show for Christians that keep it real. Whether you're new to Christianity, a seasoned Christian, or dipping your toes in the baptismal water, this show is for you. Join us and strengthen your Christian walk. Play games and discover new music. This ain't your mama's Christian podcast. For the love of God, we are back, folks. Thanks for tuning in. And this is Jason, your host of For the Love of God podcast, and I'm here with Rick Rieger and Nathan Jewell. Fellas, how you doing? Pretty good. Awesome. Absolutely fantastic. And not here just with us today. We got some other people. You're absolutely correct. We have uh, a guest in the studio, Stevie Cade. Hello. Hello, Stevie. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Of course. And a guest from way out west in California, uh, Chris Durbin. Hello. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming in. Um, welcome to the show, fellas. Awesome. The most awesome Christian podcast in the nation. <laughs> so I've heard. I don't know. It but might be a little biased. I might be a little biased. <laughs> a little self-inflated. Yeah, yeah, right. Like a five little, bucks to say that. But. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, so... Kind of curious, you're, Chris. You're from Ohio, right? I am born and raised. Okay, where where where, where was you born at? I was born in Columbus, Ohio, and grew up right outside of Hilliard, little town Galloway. So went to Hilliard City Schools, so I, all of that stuff. Now Stevie said you moved to California to become an actor. Well, yes and no. I felt like it was a calling from God that it was just time to do it. Back in spring of 2007 mustered up all my strength to leave. And as soon as I got to California, the urge to be an actor in Hollywood died. (laughs) It was the oddest thing. And so I started pursuing Christian radio, which became an odd path to leading me to a YouTube channel, which became an odd path to lead me to be with The Chosen. So it's been a very fascinating path that God put me on. How long have you been with The Chosen? Uh, I'm brand new. So it's only been about six months. Okay. And from what I understand, you do a lot of their promotion stuff? Yeah, I'm a behind-the-scenes host, so I do a lot of cool behind-the-scenes videos and get to go visit them on set and, you know, check out all that really cool stuff. That's really cool. And you guys have been buddies a long, long time, huh? Yep, uh, over 20 years. Wow. that made yeah. it, and, and Durbin hates it when I say that because it makes him feel old because he can't handle how old he is. Well, I can't handle the gray hairs that are coming out of, of my head. That that That's the part I can't stand. <laughs> <laughs> Wisdom. They're wisdom highlights. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I suggested to my wife that maybe I could get rid of some of my gray hairs, and she wanted nothing to do with it. She she likes my gray. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of looking over at both you and Stevie, and I'm a little. See, I'm a new to the beard thing. You know, I just I've never really I've never really been able to connect that whole mustache, and so I've always had some facial hair of some sort, but I've never had a full beard. And I finally grow it out, and I'm like, yeah, it's all right. But then I look at y'all, and I'm like. Dang, you guys got some good beards. I'm a little jealous. I'm a little jealous, but you know. Durbin, where's your beard at? Uh, I can't grow one. I I was in a really bad straight-to-DVD movie where I had to grow a beard, and it was terrible, and it had bald spots, and uh, I'm just not doing that again. Right. (laughs) And How how long ago is this? In my early 20s, I just don't trust it to grow in. (laughs) I had bald spots. At one point, you just got to keep shaving it and growing it and shaving it and growing it. And eventually, when you're a big boy, it all comes in. (laughs) 
Wow. He did not come on the podcast to get that. <laughs> well, he's a big boy now. That was 20 years I, ago. I am a big boy now, but he's no. He's a big the, boy the now. He can, grow it, he can grow it all in now. I remember the bald spots. I just, I, I flash back to it at night sometimes. I can't do it. Well, j- just remember Keanu Reeves rocks it. Oh, that's true. He does. But he's also John Wick, so he can rock it. I am not John Wick. The man can't do wrong, right? (laughs) Although I do find myself tempted to go pick up some Just for Men for Jason's, like, stocking this year just to see what happens. (laughs) You know, I did buy some about a year ago, and I just kind of touched it a little bit. I didn't notice any different. I didn't put enough. I was too, I didn't, I didn't, what was the word? (laughs) Timid? Well, that didn't commit. I didn't commit. That's the word I'm looking for. I just couldn't commit. (laughs) I'm going to go and tell it myself. If I didn't put anything in this, it would be pretty white. Mm -hmm. So I use a touch of gray. It's actually a special like for men who don't want to look like they have shoe polish on their face. And you put it on and it just darkens it ever so slightly. And in, in fact, this is after a few days and it kind of washes out and it looks a little more natural anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it just kind of tints it a little bit, takes a little bit of the edge off of it. It definitely looks different though. When I let it grow out and then give it a shave, I look, you know, I feel like I look like Santa. Well, we better, I don't like Santa. <laughs> we better get off this topic because uh, I don't think that's the whole purpose of the show today. Are you sure? <laughs> I thought we were doing male hair products. I well, well uh, uh, before we uh, change topics, I do want to uh, add a little defense to Jason here. If you do give him just for men in his stocking, mm-hmm. make sure it's a private event. Otherwise, his wife will find it and she'll say, this is just for single men. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, that's very true. That's very true. Who do you have you need to look good for, honey? <laughs> well, on that note, moving right along. Moving right along. So, uh, Chris, how long have you been a Christian your whole life? I have, actually, yeah. And that's just kind of one of the things I just feel like is such a blessing in my life. You know, I grew up in a believing house with believing parents, and I just always believed. And it became my own faith. But it just naturally became my own faith. You know, I just wanted to believe always. Right. So I'm assuming you didn't come out of the womb believing. So uh, like at what That's point? true. At what point uh, <laughs> did you actually make a confession uh, to Christ? I mean, what? Ah, I, I can hardly remember. I, I kind of picture a time when I was seven years old saying the prayer with my mom. But I mean, definitely, you know, when you become a teenager, you start to grow up. You start to think for yourself. And it was just always what I wanted. And then I always had scary preachers, you know, who made me feel like I was going to hell for, you know, everything. And, you know, I would always say the sinner's prayer multiple times when they would make me feel condemned. So, you know, but um, it's hard for me to pinpoint one specific time just because it's always been in my heart. It's always been the confession that I've had. Right, right. I can awesome. I can empathize with that. I've I was actually raised in a believing family and I I can't remember a time when I didn't believe, but I do have kind of like two stories. I've got like a I remember in second grade in Bible uh Bible school, uh the the, the teacher led us to open our hearts to Christ and I remember doing that. But I don't remember making it my yep. own faith until I was in like seventh grade. There was this like period of time between the right just obedient or learning, but it wasn't necessarily mine. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of like I'm kind of like you guys, really. I mean, I, I, I wasn't raised in a, in a believing family, but I did like around the age of eight. I got uh, I our bus driver of, of my school bus was a pastor in the, he just got out of school, out of seminary, he was looking for a church to pastor. And he started sharing this stuff with me and it really resonated. Um, and I, I think I was like 11 when I, you know, felt like, you know, maybe I should be a pastor when I grow up. 
up, you know, that sort of thing. But it wasn't really until I got in the military, I think, that I was really, that I really got saved because then I really felt the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, and when you see the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that's when it kind of takes it from that, I'm a believer in the same sense that, you know, say demons believe and tremble, you know, to the point where now I know I'm filled with the spirit and have spiritual gifts and that sort of thing. So, um, so which is a reason why Stevie had me on his show was because he was so curious of where I, where heck I came from because he knew me before I started walking with Christ and he was like, what in the world is going on with this guy? Um, see, I, I grew up in a house of a mother that was a churchgoer, a believer, and uh, a father that was atheist and um, until his deathbed <laughs> where he accepted him thanks and, to thanks to a priest that came in and talked to him. Indiana Jones sliding under the door. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Hopefully that worked out. Um, we'll see. Well, I'll see soon. But um um, I'm kind of curious, Chris, did you being buddies with Stevie for 20 years, how much did you try to point him? And well, before uh, we go, we, before we go that way, let, let's go a little more for, for the listeners. So, uh, Stevie yourself, are you, yes. do you walk with, have you walked with Christ your life? Uh, no, no. Okay. No. All right. So I applaud you for, for coming in and talking about this. This is actually a topic that it's a lot of people are very shut off about. So, uh, much, many kudos to you, my friend. Thank you. And, uh, I am curious a little bit about your, your history with Jason. So how did, uh, how long have you guys known each other? Uh, Jason and I have known each other for almost 10 years, eight years. So you got to see kind of the before and the after of his conversion. Oh yeah. I got to see the before and then I was the best man at his wedding and had no clue that he was saved and then like i kind of put the pieces together at his wedding you know and he had the, the pastor with him and then he was doing the prayers and stuff and i'm standing there like who is this guy right here <laughs> to smile for the photo steve smile for the photos you know and, like i have no no issues with anybody who follows christ you know and at, I, guess, I think at one point in my t- in my life i thought i did Mm-hmm. Um, and Durbin can contest to that. He knew me back, back in mm-hmm. those days as well. Um, but yeah, it just my journey somewhere along the line, I just know, I just no longer believed what I was telling people because I was on my, I was on a path to possibly wanting to become a preacher or a pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's what my father was. It's what my grandfather was. And I was always in the church. I was the one that saved my parents, you know, and they're still, you know, in that realm. So like, I, I understand it. I respect it, but it's just not for me, but I really don't mind, you know, quote for lack of a better term, going into the lion's den and sitting here and having an open discussion with people, you know, in a respectful manner. Okay. Right. Well, you'll find that uh, we're very respectful, if not a little idiotic at times. Um, so <laughs> well, I think we've more than heard that over the last 10 minutes or so. <laughs> well, but I am kind of curious, given your, your perspective with Jason, seeing the before and the after, yeah. what, what did you see? What do you see as the change? Like, what 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 differences do you see? Well, uh, to be honest, I don't know um, because I saw him for his wedding, and then I saw him a year later at my podcast. So I actually haven't hung out with Jason in this realm, like on a one to one level. So I can't honestly answer yeah. that. Right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I, I I can I have my own personal thoughts of what I'm seeing. But like it's uh, there's no ground for me to like come to a conclusion of you know what exactly is different. So That's fair. okay, all right. Well then, uh, I appreciate you sharing a little bit of your background there. And uh, Jason, go ahead and lean into your questions. Um, yeah, I mean, Chris, did you hanging out with Stevie for twenty years? Um, just 
you did your thing with Christ and he did his thing without and that was just that was just it or was there any I wouldn't say it was like that um I mean yes I did my thing with Christ and I always drug Stevie with me to every Christian event that I had going on I mean I used to work at a Christian hard rock station based in Columbus Ohio and they'd have prayer meetings and I took Steve to those meetings uh, I had a left behind craze and I was obsessed with those books and I was excited when the Kirk Cameron movie came out and I took him to see that. I mean, so and we always had long, deep conversations and they were always great. And in high school, you know, I remember going with Steve once to his church and uh, he gave a testimony about how he felt like. Uh, he had been wearing a mask for a while. Now he wanted to do the genuine walk. So there were a lot of times in, in high school where I didn't consider him not a Christian just because, you know, I saw him doing his best to walk the path. And I, I remember once he went to talk to, uh, I think it's Fellowship of Christian Athletes and him running by some of his notes of what he was going to speak on. So um, and we also had this one guy in uh, high school, very strong atheist. His dad was a very strong atheist. And uh Steve was the guy who kept me calm because I was pretty immature in my faith and I was pretty immature in how to communicate my faith to others. And then Steve was the one who kind of tried to balance me out and communicated better. So when I was in high school, that's what I remember with Steve. And there was a time where we lost touch. And I think that was when I was in college and we didn't talk for like a couple of years and it was nothing bad. It's just, you know, that's just life. Yeah. And then, you know, the next time I, I had been talking to him, he told me, he's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of just on my path right now trying to figure all this stuff out. And and so, you know, I just doing my best to constantly always be an example of Jesus, not just to Stevie, but to everybody, because I know not everybody has a good picture of who Jesus is. And sometimes Christians don't give the best picture of who Jesus is. So it's just always my mission to be the best picture of Jesus I can be. Right. That's a really good message right there. There's there there are a lot of people who are very rambunctious and, and uh, overzealous and and I would imagine from your perspective is that a, I would assume that's a turnoff when you run into those types of people, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I I believe it's a turnoff for believers and non-believers alike. I agree. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, yeah. that's yeah. It, it, it. It really is. I mean, if you're if you are if you come across very strong-minded but not willing to listen, then what? Where's the where's the conversation? Where's the discussion? Where's where's where where are you going to draw me in at? Right. How do you find common ground? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's precisely yeah. why I started this podcast. The way it's structured is to reach people that are turned off by folks that are coming on too strong wrong whether it's too strong or too soft really um either way it's it's a turnoff it, it was for me before i was a christian and it still is in some in some extent i remember going to church function functions with family and and having people saying you know let us pray for you and this and that and the other and do you know jesus and i was just like ah, i don't really feel comfortable in this situation i gotta go and it was just really strange. And so I'm like, we got to reach people and we need to do it in a fun way. We can play games. We can talk about music. We can have cool different kind of topics and just have fun with it. Something that people can relate with and still get some good information and and hopefully grow and, and, and start to see, you know, start to learn more and maybe 
maybe dive in, dive in a little bit to the face. But mm. makes sense. So I'm kind of curious. Uh, you said that uh, you know at one point you were thinking maybe you were heading down the path to be a pastor. So at some point you at least thought you were a Christian, a Christ follower. Yeah. So uh, tell me about that and, and your, tell us about that and our listeners, you know, and how, how did you come to the conclusion that you, that just wasn't for you? Because I found myself repeating things without really understanding what they meant. Uh, I wanted something so bad, but I never really felt it. I, I felt the ideologies, mm. you know, um, the, the basic construction of what makes Christianity, Christianity, you know, the fundamentals of it. I felt that part of it, right? but I never felt the other side. I never felt, you know, the, you know, giving my life to actual, to, to, to Christ, this being, you know, that I've been hearing stories about and like, I, I can never make that connect. And I had to come to a realization one day that it's unfair of me to continue trying to preach something when I didn't really fully believe in what it was exactly. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. Well, and that's, I mean, you were, you were trying to have integrity. Yeah. And I think, I think that integrity, you know, still holds true. You know, I, you know, and that's, I'm just, things make sense for me now the way that I, I see them, but you know, it's to each their own on that one, I guess, but gotcha. You'd never know this man wasn't a Christian, to be honest. I mean, he's one of the most honest, caring people that I've ever come to know. And, uh, he's always been there for me and helpful. And, um, he was the best man at your wedding, right? Yeah. I mean, well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. And and I, I think that might fall more into my, my point is, you know, when I had a disconnect with, you know, the mythology of Christianity, but I understood the principles of it. You know, I trust me. I went down, down my dark roads. I, you know, we all still have them, mm-hmm. you know, but I try to stick to, you know, what's right. You know, as I said, if, if you need, if you need the shirt off my back, I'd give it to him, you know, same with Durbin, same with you. And I don't even know you guys, you know, that's just how I am, but I just can't get behind the, the rest of it. Right. You know, I, I've got kind of a, uh, I guess a confession to make is that I, there was a time in my life when I kind of went through a similar thing. Um, I had heard about Jesus very young. Um, we had a pastor that came out to our school and this was in public school. <laughs> this is a few years back, right? I was, I went to elementary school right around the stone age. So, um, you know, this pastor, <laughs> pastor Jones used to come out and do his little felt friends for all of us and show us the stories of Moses and Noah and all that good stuff. And then we had a local pastor, even though my mom and my dad was an atheist, uh, my mom was... A be- she believed, but wasn't, you know, it wasn't into doing anything about it. She just had a, a belief that there was a Jesus at the time. And so uh, this local pastor, they used to have these vacation Bible schools and somehow he knew my mom and he would come out, drive out in the country and pick me up with his little Volkswagen Beetle bug, whatever, and drive me into town and take me to vacation Bible school. And so I had this basic knowledge. And then the pastor of the church that, you know, I, I said earlier, he was a bus driver and he started kind of a relationship with a few of us. And, and I ended up uh, visiting his church and really liked him, really believed this stuff. I mean, I believed everything I was reading, believed everything I was taught. And he said, do you want to be a Christian? I'm like, sure. Why wouldn't I want to go to heaven? Yeah. And so I accepted Christ. I even went to a, a vacation, well, basically a church camp, a youth camp and went forward when they were calling people to become pastors. So all this happened. And then I went into the army and was really planning on I, the whole reason I went into the army is to, to get money for the army's college 
college fund so I could go to Bible college. And while I was there, I just started to feel like it's all in my head. It's just a belief. How do I know it's real? I'm just walking around on faith. And I kept challenging God. God, this whole thing of faith is stupid to me. What do you mean you got to have faith to, to, you know, faith to please you? That doesn't make any sense. So, uh, you know, I can believe in the Easter bunny. That doesn't make him real. I can believe in Santa Claus and that doesn't make him real. So I really went through this struggle and it took me several years, I think, to really sort it out. But I, I w- you know, I kind of reminded myself of that guy that uh, he was a pastor and he never felt like he heard from God. And he kept, ch- he's like, why is it that I pray? And, you know, we read in the word where God talks to people, but yet I've never heard God. And so he just pressed in. He basically said he went like did a whole year of nothing but messages on hearing from God. And I'm sure it drove his church nuts, but it was all for him. And finally he, he, he it all connected. And I was kind of like that, that I'm like, okay, if God, if you're real, I need to know for sure. If this, this is all real, I want to experience you. And so I really, I, I tried everything. And one day God finally just, I felt it. It was kind of very similar to Jason's experience, uh, which you can share after I'm done here. But he basically, um, I I challenged, I I was hanging out with these guys who said, okay, you got to be filled with the Holy spirit. And they were a little off base, uh, theology wise. But I, I knew that if, if a person crosses the line of salvation, the Holy Spirit indwells them. And if that happens, you don't have to go on blind faith anymore. It's going to be proof. And so, you know, I, I got with these group of guys and I'm, I'm like, I laid it all out there. I said, God, I just want you. I don't want anything else. I don't want you to do anything for me. I don't, I'm, right now, I'm not even thinking eternal life. I just want to know you, period. And I want to be filled with your presence. And I want to know that I know. And I had uh, probably 20 guys lay their hands on me. And we prayed for what seemed like an eternity. And the Holy Spirit did this wild thing where, you know, he just, I mean, it was like I, I could literally feel something pouring through my body all the way to my, t- it was so obvious and different from anything that I don't even think I could make this stuff up in my, I couldn't even have created that feeling if I wanted to. And it was just so obvious and radical. And afterwards, I just felt God say, do you get it now? This is my Holy Spirit. You are experiencing me. And from that time on, I would pray for these wild things and they would actually happen. You know, it was, I mean, in, in like ridiculous fashion. And from then on, I never really felt like I needed faith anymore. I'm like, God, I get it. And I realized that it was more about trust than it was at faith at that point. It's just, I'm just, I just have to trust that when he says something that it's true. When he says he's going to do something for me, I got to learn to have faith and trust him as my heavenly father. But um, yeah, ever since that day, I, I, I've tried to walk away from God for like a day and couldn't do it. The Holy Spirit just reels me right back in. So he's like, you know better. And I've all but heard God in an audible voice. I've never heard him in an audible voice, but I've heard him so clear and so loud that like I try, in fact, he told me to give up things that I didn't want to give up. And I literally felt sick to my stomach until I finally said, okay, God, you're right. I, I'm going to, I'm going to give in to you. And you know, it's like, I realize now that I could never run. I could never run away even if I wanted to. 
And I believe that's because I think the difference is, and there are a lot of, and this is a theory, this is a theory and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to downplay anybody's experience or beliefs or anything. All I know is that I think there's a lot of people running around there. Jesus said, few find the way. I believe a lot of people are raising the Christian banner, but they're not saved. Yeah. They don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. And I believe that when a person truly, you know, and it it does take a step of kind of blind faith to say, look, I'm going to let you lead me. And I don't know what that means. And I don't even know if you're there, but I'm trusting and I'm going to take this step of faith and I'm going to act in obedience. And there's some point, you know, where they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And at that point, it's, it's kind of on God. I don't think you can walk away, you know? So, and I say that, and I know that's got, how it's got to sound from your perspective, but I say it as encouragement because I believe that I could have walked away at one time. I believe that that, that could have happened. I could have just went a whole another way and felt good about it. But at the same token, I believe that the reason that I felt like I wasn't sure if I believed is that I truly never crossed the line of salvation. I didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of me, but once the spirit came inside of me, it, it was a game changer, you know, and I've talked too much, Jason, I know you've got kind of a similar experience. You want to share that experience? Uh, I mean, I lived 46 years. I'm 48, I'm a little over 46 years of my life. You're a young pup. Um, <laughs> <laughs> trying to make you feel good. <laughs> that, uh, I, I, I had, uh, I was back and forth my whole life. I was like, okay, there is a God or is there I mean, I just wasn't sure, and I, I I didn't have solid proof, and I was I was raised in the devil's world with rock and roll and drugs and sex and all these temptations and television and radio and every everything leaning, taking me away from it. So I didn't know anything as a you know a, a definite. Um, it was always up in the air, and so it wasn't until hanging around on the bed watching hours and hours of YouTube where my wife started watching, well, girlfriend at the time, started watching pastors talk about prophecy. Mm. And I started realizing that all the things that were written has come to pass and all the things that we are seeing in our world right now happen and about to happen was written about in the Bible. And, uh, and it dawned on me that God is real and there's no doubt. And then I found out that the only way to the father is Jesus Christ. So I decided then and there that I do believe, and I wanted to go to heaven. And if following Christ is the way to do that, then I better start following. And it really started out as a fear thing. I was afraid of dying and not going to heaven and going to hell. I didn't want to do that. I'd be horrible. And then I pressed in and, um, you know, I said the sinner's prayer and I know it's, it's, unless you truly believe it in your heart and soul, what you're saying, when you pray that prayer, it doesn't matter. You can say the words all you want. Yeah. It's not an incantation. Exactly. (laughs) And (laughs) And I felt, you know, I felt I believed in my heart and I prayed the prayer and didn't really feel anything the next day. And I prayed it again the next night and I didn't, same thing, didn't feel anything the next day. And then I was just like laying in my bed on the third night, crying out. I please believe me. I I believe you with all my heart and I confess my sins. I say, I know, you know, the things I've done, but I want to talk about them and how sorry I am for all the things, all the bad things I've done and things that I'm, no one knows, but God and I. And, uh, and the next morning I woke up with an absolute head to toe electricity going through my body mm. and the biggest smile on my face. And I just knew the Holy Spirit is in 
under me. I knew right then and there that I was saved and God was with me. And I've never looked back. Mm. And now it doesn't seem like you have to have faith anymore, right? It's not like a blind faith. Right. Anymore. It's it, it, There is definitely no blind faith. It's an absolute 100% belief, no doubt in my mind. And the farther along my Christian walk I go, the more assurance I get because I see miracles. I see prayers answered. I see him guiding me and helping me and making me a better Christian, better human. Um, and the radical change that I went through is proof alone. And Stevie knows I was a sex maniac. I smoked weed daily. I drank. I cuss like a sailor and I do none of those things now. I don't cuss. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't think about women. Um, I don't watch porn. I don't do anything. I just work, treat people with love, worship my Lord, study his word, listen to Christian music, started a podcast, joined the worship team at church. I didn't go to church before. I've been five times, maybe not including having, having to go while I was at Catholic school in my life, maybe more than that, but not much. And now I've been here for 67 weeks, 68 weeks. I knew you would have a number. <laughs> I was about to ask. So how many weeks has it been? And you said it. Well, that's because I make a playlist for every week for our, our worship song list. Um, and I haven't missed a Sunday. Um, and see, that's to me, that's I've seen in you and I didn't know you before. I, I, I know what you told me, but, you know, I didn't really know you before. But what I've seen is that, you know, from your first first week, it's like you're not just not doing things you're not supposed to do. But I feel like the Holy Spirit is just, you know, drawing you in to do things. You know, you've gotten involved in outreach events. You're in the worship team. You're like the first to come in, last to leave. I mean, I just it's like you're willing to take the time to do whatever is required. And I just, uh, I, people just don't do that outside of the Holy spirit. Right. You know, I mean, you're going to do a little bit and, and that, I think that's what really is the turnoff and what it gets people so discouraged and why people walk away from God, because there's so many people that are carrying that Christian banner. They're not, I don't believe they're Christians, but they are, their lives are prospering because of the word of God. Because mm-hmm. it makes sense. God, these are God's, he gave us this book and it's full of good principles. And you don't have to necessarily be a Christian to benefit from those good principles. You, if you learn, if you, if you look at the Bible and say, hey, it says not to lie. All right, I won't lie anymore. Well, guess what? You're going to have better relationships. You're going to get caught less and, you know, with your pants down, you know, you're going to have a more solid life. If you choose to listen to these basic truths your life is going to get a little better, mm-hmm. but only as good as a human life can get. The Holy Spirit is what adds that supernatural element. You know, I mean, honestly, Jason, since I've known you, I think you're developing what I would call a supernatural love. And it's it's something that I don't think you'd have been capable of. Now, you you said you've always been a loving person, but see, I see, you know, how you think about people. And I, I've been listening to you for the last, you know, year and I can see God just doing something completely different. You, you, he's changed the way you you think about people and how you love them. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. For sure. And if we had more of those people, uh, I believe that Christianity would grow at like unprecedented rate. Yeah. So I kind of want to echo on a couple different little pieces that were picked up here. Um, my background is very similar to Chris's, where I, I grew up in the church. I had a loving mom. Uh, my stepdad wasn't necessarily a believer, although he had grown up Catholic. Um, he didn't necessarily do anything to dissuade or discourage, mm-hmm. but um, that 
so there's there's a couple pieces I kind of want to touch on here. The number of people that are in the church that are creating a bad name for Christians and also these, we affectionately call them kinos, you know, Christians in name only, right? <laughs> um, <they're laughs> I think I started that one Sunday and I think somehow it's starting to stick. Yeah, it's sticking. <laughs> I have never heard that before. <laughs> well, they come out of the whole rhino thing, Republican in name only. Right. Just yeah. kind of ran. With- yeah. Real quick, Nathan. Um Funny story. Uh, the gentleman that I was kind of talking to that have a Christian podcast, um, they said Kino on their episode. Really? Yeah. And then he heard us say Kino and he, he messaged me and says, you stole our Kino. I'm like, <laughs> we've been saying Kino for a year, bro. <laughs> <Let's-> <laughs> Well, there's nothing, uh, what do they say? There's nothing new under the sun. That's true. <laughs> nothing new under right. Sun. Anyway. But anyway. there's also a teaching, and I've I've been leading a Bible study for a while now. We, we spent a little bit of time about the wheat and the tares, about how there are going to be people in the church that, because Christ says the road is narrow, that mm. he, they're, they're going to say, but Lord, Lord, I, I did this in your name. I did this. I did this. I did right. this. He's like, get away from me. I never knew you. So there are those who are in the church who, who think they have got that, and they're not there. And that's that's straight from Christ's word. And you know, that's, that's from the big man upstairs right there, you know? Right. And I remember growing up, I, that, that verse was like the most scary verse to me because I'm like, do I really, am I, am I there? Do I, do I really get Got it? And I remember there was a period of time where there was fear because I didn't want to expose myself to the alternative arguments. Mm. I, I didn't want to, I was afraid it would take me away from God. And so, but at the same time, he gave me this desire to know more, to kind of dig into it and kind of tear the arguments apart a little bit. It was something, apologetics has always been kind of like in my wheelhouse. So I, I finally opened the door. I was like, all right, God, if, if you're not there, you're not there. And so be it. And I just started opening the door and reading some of these other arguments. And I found over time that there just wasn't, you know, the, the the emperor had no clothes <laughs> is probably the best way to say it. Right. Um, I always worried about the more supernatural aspects. I always wanted to feel that supernatural feeling and mm. see something supernatural. And I could point to more than a handful of times where people said that they were healed, but I, I couldn't say, well, was it supernatural or was it something else? Right. Mm-hmm. Or was there a mistake somewhere? There was, there was no cut and clear answers. Right. Right. And then the study of Thomas really encouraged me because here's a man who was a follower of Christ. And he said, I will not believe unless I reach out and touch his hands. I see the holes in his hands and I can put my finger in there. Right. And then Christ shows up and says, well, here you go. Here's my hands. Do what you got to do. Right. And then says, blessed are those who don't see yet believe. Right. And that's me. I'm, I'm, I don't see. Right. But I do believe. And the most supernatural aspect I could kind of point to is to echo what Jason was talking about was the the study of prophecy, where there is no other explanation, even the mathematics of it. The mathematics of it, if you look at it, it, it's impossible. Mm -hmm. Um, That kind of carried a lot of weight with me, was realizing that. And then when looking at the the arguments of the other side, quote unquote, it's it's like an argument from nothing. And, and And it's there are no alternative explanations that make more sense. So right. for me, it was kind of an Occam's razor situation. Right. 
And, you know, the, the whole apologetics thing I think is wonderful. And I think it's, you know, we need to have some intellectual answers and certainly we don't want to go chase in stupidity. Like I said, you know, just because I believe in Santa Claus and really believe real hard, real hard, you know, that doesn't mean he's going to appear on my roof with toys, you know, uh, nor do I want him to cause he'll ruin my shingles. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, there's gotta be uh, a point where, you know, if, if it's a real relationship, it's more than just trust and belief. There's got to be something that, that happens and the Holy spirit is going to make a difference. And, you know, and then you're going to see these supernatural things. Now, sometimes they're not to the same degree as, you know, I mean, I've literally seen people who had cancer who, you know, I've gotten together with a group of guys, laid hands on them. And the next day when they went in for surgery, they can't find the cancer and they don't have a clue how or why. And it's not us. And, you know, I mean, obviously we didn't do anything. I didn't reach inside of him and pull it out. And so I know God responded. I mean, I've seen just such radical, ridiculous things, you know, where I prayed stuff that just the odds would be astronomical that it would happen and it would happen. And, you know, those things just kind of reinforce and they reinforce our trust. But it was really that, you know, once you have the Holy Spirit inside you, it's it's obvious. You know, at Pentecost, I'm pretty sure those people filled with the Holy Spirit didn't sit around and say, hmm, I wonder if that was the Holy Spirit or was that just a wind? <laughs> Did somebody break wind? What was that? You know? <laughs> you know, well, I, I'm actually, part of me is glad that it turned out the way it did for me, where I lived most of my life the way I did and then had this grand awakening right. and transformation of my life. It makes for a great testimony. And, well, that, and <laughs> another thing is... If I was born into this belief system to where it was just all I known, part of me would be so still kind of wondering if I'm there. Oh, yeah. Like Nathan was saying, is the Holy Spirit in me without me literally feeling it enter me, being present? Um, I, I would always be kind of walking a thin line of... Am I saved or not? But but I think even, well, you know, my experience was kind of halfway in between, you know, because I was kind of there, but I still had that feeling. I was kind of like where Stevie was, you know, like, man, I don't know. I just don't know. I want to believe this stuff. I truly do. And it resonates with me. And I, and I look, you know, just like he did, the alternative explanations, you know, for our existence just don't seem very viable to me. But at the same token, I wanted something tangible. You know, I want to know, especially if I'm going to truly step out and teach people. I can't teach them something that I'm not sure about. You know, that would be, again, no integrity. I mean, you know, and I think there's a lot of pastors out there that are running around on this wimpy faith and it comes across, you know, it comes across loud and clear to those who are listening to them. So, you know, I, I had to really press in and, and, you know, that's why I believe the Bible says, you know, uh, those who seek me with all their heart will find me. And that's exactly what I did. I, I said, okay, God, if you're there, I'm going to find you. And if you're not, I'm going to disprove you. And then I'm going to go around the world telling people that you don't exist. Yeah. But one of the two is going to happen here. And, you know, God obviously ex exposed himself. I, that sounds terrible, but, you know, he exposed himself <laughs> to me. He, he showed me who he is. He he filled me with his spirit. And, you know, I couldn't run backwards if I wanted to at this point. Yeah. So, now, Chris, well, let me go across for go a ahead. second. I was, I was, so, Chris, uh, J Jason kind of mentioned there with his background, like he's, if he grew up in the church and, and he'd have that wondering, like, he just mentioned and described do you have anything to kind of speak to from that perspective well I'm, i mean i do because you know i've been raised a christian all my life and like i said before like i've just always believed it but you know sometimes you do have that wondering just because 
Some people have very radical testimonies where they feel the Holy Spirit enter in, and it's just this incredible experience. And having been a Christian all my life, you know, I don't have kind of like that moment. I just know I've always believed. And so because you hear all those radical testimonies and radical transformations, sometimes you wonder. But I do know that God has his way of confirming because, you know, the Holy Spirit gives testimony that we are his. And so for me, uh, there's been a lot of things in my life. I mean, when I was 14, my dad got crushed by a horse and was on the brink of death. And that's a really long story. So to make it short, I watched my mom stand on God's word. I watched her prayer, uh, pray prayers of boldness and faith based on scripture over my dad. And he's alive with us today when he should have died that first night. And then my sister has a very similar experience about 13, 14 years ago, a street racer hit her head on and he had just pressed the nitros on his car, lost control and came over and hit her. His car exploded like a fireball. And uh, her situation was a lot worse than my dad's, you know, Um, but we spoke faith over her. We spoke God's word over her. And doctors are Christians today because of the way that her brain healed. Uh, She had a optic nerve severed that healed. And so, so many things that healed. And yet, you know, you have this question because it's been like 13, 14 years and one half of her body is slower than the other. And, you know, we're still dealing with issues of that. But nonetheless, the fact that she is standing here alive and well, it's a testimony to God's power. So I have these moments where I could point to where I learned to stand in faith, where I saw what faith did. And now in my life, I've had to make those stands myself. And uh, for me, God knows how I learn. And so when I was 18 years old, this is probably after Stevie has graduated Uh, Because I think the last time Steve saw me, I was really immature in my faith and how I proclaim my faith and super energetic with that immaturity. Uh, But the way and it's funny because like I didn't I always believed I always genuinely believed, but I was not that good at communicating it. I was an obnoxious Bible thumper. I, I was so irritating that when I think back to it, I irritate myself. But What's amazing is what God did. Like, none of that was wasted. And the way that he began to change me, and it was a process, was 18 years old. I read the Chronicles of Narnia for the first time. And when I saw Jesus presented as Aslan, it was the first time I ever saw Jesus presented with a personality and with character. And it gave me a picture of how he reacts to people, how he talks to people. And then when I looked at the Bible, I could put that personality in there. And it just felt like the Holy Spirit confirmed that for me and just began to bring things to life in a new way. And I was afraid of the other side of the argument. I was totally afraid of the other side of the argument. And the reason is I'm not a good arguer. I, and to this day, I'm not a good arguer. So I respect apologetics. I suck at it and can't do it. But um, it's just not my gift. (laughs) But but I, when I was in college, I became a religion minor because the school I went to, um, the religion department was notorious for turning people away from Christianity. And I don't know why. I just decided to take the challenge. And so I became a religion minor and I took those classes and I lost every argument that the professor started with me, that I started with the professors. I lost every argument. But that wasn't the point. The way God spoke to me through my favorite author, C.S. Lewis, the way God spoke to me through his word, uh, the way I learned to stand on his word, watching my mom do it, watching my parents do it, 
it gave me this basis that even when I lost an argument, I learned to research, I learned to dig deeper into God's word, and I learned to really seek God on a different way and know why I believed what I believed. And I walked out of that process, I think, stronger in my faith. And then, of course, God moved me to California, and I did not hear an audible voice. But the spring that I moved, I just felt God say firmly, because it wasn't my thought, you know, it's Ohio, and Ohio's pretty ugly, and it happened to be a pretty spring day. And I said, wow, it's a beautiful spring morning. And this voice popped up and said, too bad, it's your last one in Ohio. And for the next few months until August, God lined up everything so perfectly that I could have still decided not to go to California, but I did. And within three months, I met my wife. And so to see how God has led and then stepping out of my parents' home and standing on my own two feet with my faith it's been amazing to see how God has grown and matured and strengthened me. So growing up a Christian all my life and not having radical transformation moments, still God has given me radical moments where I have not not always tangibly felt something, but always known that he was leading me, growing me, and, and maturing me. Mm. Amen. I, I can kind of echo a little bit of that as well, because while I was growing up and I, I had a stepdad and my mom was definitely in the faith, I definitely did not grow up in a standard Christian family. Um, but I remember having some of the same feelings that Chris just mentioned, like, why don't I have this real emotional experience that I can point to where I gave my life to Christ? Now, I can think back of the two things I mentioned earlier in the show, and there was definitely a moment there that it still resonates with me, but it wasn't this powerful um, testimony of massive power coming upon me. It was just this gradual thing. And I look at my walk with Christ, and it's literally... Almost every day I'm getting something new, just a, a little more. N- the way I kind of equate it is like a pilot. The pilot is off course fully 90 to 95% of the flight, but he's constantly making mm. these course corrections. And that's kind of how I feel like the Holy Spirit's been in my life. Minor little course corrections to keep me on the right path. And it was the studying of, of, of prophecy that kind of gave me the supernatural aspect that, that I, I had always been looking for. But it was also, I would look at the lives of those around me, sometimes even Christians, and there was no desire to do or be better. And I look at that and I see in my own life where I have this call of the Holy Spirit on me just saying that, you know, you fell short there. You can do better. And even today, I still have areas where I know I mess up. Like there's a bumper sticker I saw that says, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little, you know? <laughs> and there are times where those things happen uh, for me. Like I, I, sometimes I'm a little rough around the edges. I'm sure Pastor Rick would probably say, yeah, I can point to that. <laughs> But it's it's a it's a continual process of renewal and, and growth for me where I'm just being called deeper and deeper into this and where my walk started with fear. Like I didn't want to know the other sides because if 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 I did, then it's going to take me away to where now I'm no longer fearful. All right, all right let's hear your best arguments. I, I want to hear it. Let's talk about it. And then I can start to ask questions to understand it and sometimes make a difference. But that lack of a single powerful moment of transformational testimony is something that I kind of admire others for having. Like I admire you for having that. I'd like to have that, but I don't. I can echo everything that you just said. Like it's for me, that's what it has been. It's been just that gradual, still small voice. And, uh, you know, it requires me to lean in quite a lot and quiet my noisy head to listen, to have the course corrections. But yeah, I can echo that. And there's something to be said by that. Um, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, you know, when I was in the church, 
I'm the one uh, I I I saved my parents or however you would say it, but, um, you know, and my dad was not the kindest of men growing up, you know, and watching his change over, you know, from when he wasn't a Christian to a Christian, he stopped drinking, but he was still an a-hole, you know, but, <laughs> and, and, and I, and I, I used to tell mom, time. I used to tell mom, I'm like, Oh, cool. He replaced the bottle with Jesus. That's good. You know, like, cause that's, he would use that to exert his anger, you know, but watching him over the years and uh, watching him grow as a better person, person and mm. sticking to that faith and using that as a catalyst of why he's being a better person. Mm. You know, it, it, it's an amazing thing. And, you know, we've, we've sat down, we've had tears, we've, we've shared true emotions that we didn't, haven't done our entire lives, mm. you know, and I, when I was kind of almost 30 is when I finally just like forgave him for all the stuff I'm not going to go into right now, mm. you know, um, which, which I just needed to watch his growth to be able to do that he needed something else to help him grow. And that's, uh, that's the part that I really admire from, you know, as the outside looking in, if you will. Sure. Well, you know, as a, I have a counseling background as well as a pastor background. And I will tell you, he's also uh, an engineer, so don't let him <laughs> undersell himself. <laughs> I am a Jack of all trades, master of none. That's me. But, um, you know, I, I have found that counseling you know, in the, in the field of counseling, people can change just a smidge if they work real hard at it. They got to want it though. And they still got to want it and they got to do the work. But I have not been able to see in the world of counseling, the kind of change that occurs when a person truly, you know, latches a hold of God. And that to me speaks volumes as well. And I've gone to school and they've, they've taught me all these wonderful tools, how to get people to change and foster change in people. But I'll be, and and I'll be honest with you, the reason I don't have my license in counseling is because it doesn't work as well as, you know, God. And so I, I, I just, you know, I give up on trying to, you know, use all these wonderful little tools to see people change this much when, you know, God really can change them a lot. Yeah. It still might take some time, you know, but you know, I don't, I don't, I look at, uh, you know, Chris's testimony. I see God's hand, you know, in his life, every much as I, every bit as much as I see it in my own just looks different. There is actually uh, my stepdad. Okay. So I, I, he's my stepdad. I say that for, for audience purposes, the man's my, my, my father, I call him my father. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he's been uh, more of a man in my life than my biological dad has been. Mm-hmm. And I look at the radical transformation that's happened in his life because much like Jason, he didn't really come to a full knowing faith until he was much older. And I remember my mom, we would sit and sometimes she would confide and she in tears that uh, she wants her husband to be a man of God. And she got what she asked for and she prayed for it fervently for years. Mm. And the funny thing is, is she, she wanted her husband to go to church with her. Now he does, but he likes to sit in a section she doesn't want to sit in. So now she's like, it's, it's kind of gone. Like the pendulum swung the other way. Oh, like, like he's a front guy. Like now. He's a front guy. Now. So, <laughs> Nice. And it's, I've seen that transformation in my dad's life. And that's the supernatural aspect that I just hope I could be a part of that for somebody else. And I know I don't have it for me, but I, I, I know it's there. I know it's possible. And if, if I can reach somebody to, to affect that type of change in their life, 
and bring them closer to Christ in the process. I, I want to do it. I probably should clarify when I talk about my dad, I'm also talking about my stepdad. Yeah. <laughs> so, Cause I did mention that my father was a preacher. That's not the dad I'm talking about. My uh, father, my uh, father passed away when my mom was pregnant. Uh, so like, yeah, that, that was, okay. so I never actually knew him, but like it was a lineage thing I was tying in earlier. But gotcha. yeah, when I, when I talk about my dad, I'm actually talking about my stepdad. Thanks for saying that. I totally meant to say that earlier and I forgot. So that's okay. It makes more sense. Yeah. As soon as he said that, I'm like, oh, I bet these guys are really confused. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I had a stepdad myself. And uh, if it would, if, if it was not, if it wouldn't be for God in my life, and I mean, really showing up in my life, he was the reason to leave the faith. In fact, he was the reason that I started going to that church where my bus driver was a pastor. He was actually the worship leader and the treasurer, and that man abused me and my sister, um, you know, physically. I mean, not sexually, thank God, but physically uh, and emotionally in about every way you can imagine other than sexually. And he left my mom after uh, physically abusing her, and he stole money from the church and ran off with the pastor's wife. So, yeah, that was what got me into the church. Boy, that was, uh, I mean, that's like, that's it, kind of written all over, right? Um, but uh, luckily, that man did not have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I am, I'm guessing no, not at the time. And I still, pr- I, you know, it took me a while to forgive him, which I finally did. Uh, came back, actually went and visited him after the military because I, I knew that that was something I had to do um, so that I would not have bitterness in my heart. But um, yeah, I mean, I could have used those in ex- as excuses, but uh, I'm like, no, it's not about people. It's not about bad examples. It's about, I want to know truth. Thank right. God, I you know I th- I think that's really a, you know, a Holy Spirit thing too because I had every reason to just say forget this crap. <laughs> right, there's a lot of people out there with father stories, and because of the father in their life, they have the hardest time reaching out to their heavenly father. Mm-hmm. It like it ruins that ability to connect, and it's uh, it makes me think of that verse where it's it's better if they had a millstone hung around their neck than right. somebody who causes one of these right. innocent ones to go astray. And I'm yeah. paraphrasing there. So. I mean, my dad might have been an atheist, but he was an incredible father, and I couldn't ask for a better one. Um, I'm actually really glad to hear you say that because I know, I know not a lot of people can say that kind of thing. Because yeah, I mean, just a great guy. Um, he, uh, I mean, I grew up admiring him, and that's why I had ride Harley Davidson, have tattoos, and. <laughs> <laughs> rock and roll and <laughs> um he was he looked just like i do i look, I looked just like he did i mean exactly beard tattoos motorcycles <laughs> a spitting image and um his personality really and uh um i would have been a completely different person if he was a completely different person because it turned out his liking and uh if you like me <laughs> you'd like him <laughs> he sounds like a good guy he's a great guy <laughs> um yeah he's great my whole family was pretty amazing my mom's amazing my sisters are amazing um which makes me kind of sad about the whole 2020 thing kind of put a divide between our my family uh what 2020 thing just the whole the corruption and and well, I, I was wondering if that was your when you made your cross of the line okay continue. yeah i mean just my i believe the truth they don't <laughs> they think it's a conspiracy theory it's not and uh so it, it caused some riff um i still love them with all my heart and uh we're still a family and we just don't talk about it so just to avoid any kind of conflict which is fine with me. I understand. But um, I'm very glad I've had them growing up. 
if you don't mind me kind of asking you uh, yeah. questions, uh, Stevie. Yes. Um, given that you kind of, it sounds like your, your walk kind of started in the church a little bit, but then kind of went to the other direction. Yes. Um, what have you found to be the most effective or the, or the hardest to dismiss arguments for God or, or for Christ in particular? What do you mean by dismiss arguments? Like, well, for instance, uh, like what are the arguments that make the most sense to you from the perspective of our, all right, maybe there is. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I look at it like that. You know, um, when I hear somebody's triumphant story, you know, I, I can respect where it came from, but I, you know, I don't know if I can be like, oh man, that made a really good point. I think I'm going to go to church next week. You know, like I, I don't, I don't know if that, if I'm answering that question correctly, but what I admire more is passion. There's not a lot of passionate people in this world. It's true. And I, I cling to passionate people, you know, and sometimes that's of people, uh, people who have, who believe in uh, whatever religion and people who are full blown atheists, you know, which I will go on record to say that I am not one of those. I consider myself a very agnostic person, very open-minded, you know, but kind of like, I think somebody said earlier, you know, just to show me, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it, it's going to be one of those, those things. It's going to, that, that's what will turn me, you know, but I, I don't, I don't, yes, I see, I see, I see you picture and your interest, Jason. Yeah. Tell them how he showed you one night. That how, was, that was God. How you what? How he showed you. Well, see, okay, see, you talking about there's the, no other explanation. Well, that just don't for happen. You, you talk about the the walk to work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the <laughs> the walk to work uh, where I had uh, gotten fired from a job uh, cooking at Westminster. Through, I don't know if I'm allowed to say their name at a local place around here where I met Jason. Um, and uh, I had gotten fired because I was tardy a lot, but they also had very strict rules. Like one minute, it's an, it's a write up. Yeah, you know, I'm a one or two minute type of guy. You know, like I, that's uh, <laughs> I, I show up a little you. late. Um, well, you are you are uh, an artist, right? You yes, you were thirty See, minutes early today. I, I, I was actually way early. I've been here since six. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I stopped in at Kroger, then drove around trying to find a place for half an hour. See, I just assume anybody who's like an artist is going to be late. That's well, just like it's like part of like your you know it's, yeah. It's like a responsibility. Well, well, uh, well. To be fair, uh, uh, music has has uh, trained me very well. I'm always always early now. Uh, uh, okay, but e- even to work. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> this was a while ago. I was guy was right around 31, um, somewhere around there, maybe less, maybe 29, and. So, like, I had lost my job at this place, and they told me, you know, well, listen, Steve, you really, you worked really well, so won't you come back in six months and reapply? So, I did that, and by the time I uh, went back six months later, I'd actually lost my vehicle. So, I was riding the bus system, which I had never done before. So, my first day back to this job where I'd lost for being tardy was also my first day riding the bus system. And I got twisted all around, you know, didn't know where I was. I just eventually just got off the bus. I was like, okay, where do I need to go? I go, that way where the bus is going darn it i should have stayed on the bus a little longer <laughs> um but I, I i was it was icy and snowy and i was running and i was sliding and uh, slipping and you know trying to get to the, the 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 i could see the building but it seemed like it just kept going further and further away from me as i was getting closer to it and i'm looking at the clock like 10 minutes eight minutes six minutes five uh. minutes 
And I'm looking at it. I'm like, I'm still 20 minutes away, you know? And I'm like, I just looked up and I said, God, can you just please get me to work on time? Two seconds later, my buddy pulls up. Uh, my buddy, I, I say that tentatively. Like, I just knew him from working there previously. He goes, Stevie? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, you, what are you doing down here? I'm like, I'm, I'm supposed to start work again today. He goes, you're coming back. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you want to ride? I'm like, yeah. Went in, clocked in one minute early. <laughs> you know, it, 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 that, that, I don't know if that, yeah, okay. I, I, I can see where you you would say that. And, and that's one of those moments where if if I, if I that's how my mind went, I could definitely go, wow, that was that was the sign. But that's not where my mind goes. So we're it's all well, different. But you know, <laughs> that could have very well been a coincidence. Could have. Okay, could have been a coincidence. And uh, I think that when we have those things, I think God is just, you know, just trying to get us to press in. And I don't know that though that that's and like if I would have had the situation, I don't know that that would compel me right. to give my life to Christ. But what it probably would do is compel me to pray about some stuff more. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think Lean sometimes we bit, just yeah. God just needs a chance to prove himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've prayed a lot of stupid stuff like that. And over time, enough of those things start to happen. And you're like, well, wait a minute. These all can't be coincidence. You know, I mean, I, I could tell you stories and we could be here for hours. Hours. I mean, just this, just the crazy stuff that that would be impossible for all to be coincidental. And I've just, I just keep doing. It. In fact, if I don't have one happen, like in a, you know, in a somewhat lengthy period of time. I start to think, man, what's going on here? You know, and I start praying for stupid stuff again, just so that God has a chance to prove himself to me. But literally, I, I think that's in the fact, that's why when I when I evangelize to people, I don't really try to give them a lot of arguments. In fact, the last guy that said, look, I don't know if I know Christ. I, I want to know Christ. I don't know if I know Christ. I don't even know what to do. And you know what I told him? I said, you know what? I could sit here and we could talk and we could go through scripture and I could show you all these, you know, wonderful uh, rationales of why you should give your life to Christ. But you know what? Here's the thing. God is real and he's alive. He can talk to you. So I said, you know, just go away and pray every day. Just, just God, if you're real, show me if you're real. And I said, just give it a month and just, just seek him. Don't, you know, seek him in the word, get in the word, read, you know, read randomly. I don't even care. You know, pick a chapter. Or pick a book, start reading in it and just say, God, okay, I'm going to give you 30 days. Just, you know, show yourself to me. And I have never had a person in all honesty that has done that for real and not come out of it on the others and saying he's there, you know, cause God will prove himself. We just have to give him an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was just one opportunity. I don't know. Well, yeah, but then you fall into that sort of category, in my opinion, respectfully, um, I, yeah, you, you fall into that category where like, you know, when you get a new car and you're like, man, I never, this is a nice car. I've never seen this car before. And then all of a sudden you start seeing that car everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of the same aspect. That's how I look at situations like that. When you invite, you know, like, Hey, um, you know, uh, God, I'll give, I'll give you 30 days to show me something. Then you will begin to seek out the things that you think God might be telling you. That's, that's, that's how I see that situation. Yeah. Personally, yeah, I can I can see that again respectfully, but I'm just no, getting, I, like, giving you my insight. Hey, I I just think that you know if if we really get in the presence of God, we're going to know about it. You know, kind of like kind of like uh, Moses. You know, he'd go hang out with him in the tent. He'd come away glowing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, we're gonna. <laughs> We're eventually gonna gonna find, but it does take seeking. I think sometimes because we just got so many layers to to get through. I mean, I know I had him, um, you know, and and I st- and I wanted him, 
but I still had these layers. In fact, I literally went to my pastor and I said, you know, I feel like everybody can be saved but me. That's exactly what I told him. He had me get rebaptized. Didn't do any good. <laughs> Made me wet. And then that was about the end of it. And, you know, it wasn't until, you know, the Holy Spirit made himself known in a real way. But then that's when the prayer started. You know, I didn't even attempt any of that stuff until I felt the Holy Spirit. And then it would be like, and I, and I didn't really even want to pray about these things. The Holy Spirit, it would seem to just like say, hey, you need to pray about this. No. And I'd argue with them. No, I don't want to pray about this. I don't want to pray about this. Okay, fine. I'll pray about it. You know, and then I'd pray about it and then I'd be like, well, this is stupid. That's not going to happen. I mean, it would take, the odds are millions to one and then it would happen. I'm like, you kidding me? And then he would just have me do those things over and over again. And before you know it, it's like, you've gotten so many, I couldn't even imagine that many coincidences happen in a person's life. I just, just can't even fathom it. Yeah. But who knows? <laughs> well, so you, you did mention earlier that like it, he's going to have to reveal himself to you in, in a, a type of way to kind of reach you based on the way you think. Have you given any thought to like what that would like, what that would look like? No, that's fair. No, I, I don't, I don't like besides like, you know, like you said earlier, Hey, here's my hands. See him? <laughs> Stick your fingers through the hole. All right. Stop doing it. It's getting weird. No, yeah. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's, that, I, I don't know. It, it's not something I think about like that. I, I got an idea going back to last episode. I'm thinking maybe like a talking donkey might do it. For some people, that's, that works. The next time you go to the zoo, I'm going to be praying. So, so, so you're telling me uh, for my next uh, live watch party on my YouTube channel, Durbin, you got you and I have to watch Shrek. That's right. Yeah, there we go. There's your talking donkey. In the morning, I'm making waffles. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness well i i think i think we should play a game what you guys think oh, do sounds it. like fun okay sound effect doesn't work <laughs> i think it's i think it's because i was just wondering is something happening and i can't see it yeah i i don't think uh the f being on the phone in this is gonna give me the Should most sounds well okay. i can, I can make the sound effect <laughs> <laughs> okay um that's why god invented post-production well what would you rather popped up do it. Yeah. You, you got more would you rathers? Well, uh, we can do a different game. We could do some, old, you know what? We'll even do some old ones. It's okay. We'll do some would you rathers. So, uh, yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, you got some music for us? I do. Would you rather? Okay. Well, so, so I might have to just come up with something on the fly here, but we'll, I got a couple of them written down. We'll start with those. How's All right. That? Okay. All right. So this is kind of a goofy one, but, uh, you know, I always try to get people to think, would you rather go back and take a tour of the original tabernacle used by the Israelites when they were wandering in the wilderness, or would you rather see the first temple built by King Solomon? Chris, let's go to you first. Oh, man. Uh, I would probably pick the first temple. I mean, the tabernacle was probably really awesome, and it would be cool if I could come on one of those days where God is talking to Moses face-to-face -face as a friend, but 
the the tabernacle built by Solomon or not the temple built by Solomon sounds like it was something extraordinary. I would love to have seen that. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. How about you, Jason? Um, I mean, it doesn't get much better than the temple. (laughs) 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 So, and how grand must it have been? I mean, the description in the, uh, in the Bible, very, uh, is the same, same one he built, right? I'm sorry. The question is, I'm sorry. In Leviticus, the description of the building of the temple, these these curtains. You're ta- no, that's the that's the original that's tabernacle, the tabernacle that yeah. was used in the wilderness. Then the temple was built later by King Solomon, and that yeah. was the per- that was the one that basically God came like pillars of fire permanently dwell. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So one's a mobile unit, and the other's a permanent fixture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, temple. Temple. Okay. Yeah. Well, solely based on the fact that I don't don't know what the word tabernacle means, I'll go with temple. Okay. <laughs> Basically, it was a it's a it's a it's a temple made of tent. It's made of cloth. That's what makes it mobile. It's a yeah. mobile unit. Oh, gotcha. It's a tear down, pick up, and tear down. Well, well okay. In, th- in that light, I'm going to go for tabernacle. I like that gypsy style anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, that does seem more you, Steve. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to go with Stevie on this one, but for a different reason. Because in that story, uh, when the Israelites, how it would work is the, the spirit of God would lift out of the tabernacle, and that's how the Israelites knew it was time to go. Mm-hmm. And so they, would ha- they had that. That physical presence, not, I mean, just That's amazing. there with them all the time in the, in the form of this cloud and the manna and, and like, there was no ability to say God's not real at that moment in time. And in that moment in history, right. To be able to see and experience that, that would be really cool. Just to kind of see God's presence lift out of the tabernacle and then the whole village just pick up and follow it. And then wherever it settles down, they build the tabernacle around it. That, that to me would be really cool. Absolutely. Uh, don't make me regret my answer. <laughs> <laughs> but the constant tear down and rebuilding. Oh my gosh. And the hot and then it's cold at night. Oh, come on. See, and I, I you know, I thought I was going to be the only one to pick it, but I would like to see the tabernacle just because, uh, I don't know, you know, you see all that descriptor and stuff, and I can't get that picture and I would just, I would, I would like to see it. I mean, you know, either would be really cool. Now I have to admit with Solomon being the richest man who's ever lived, the splendor of the original temple oh, it had must have been magnificent. Yeah. Um, I, I can, it talks about the type of wood he used from Lebanon and yeah. I, I would love to have seen, seen that. Cause I there are no wrong answers there. The beauty <laughs> of it would just be yeah. ama- amazing. But then we also get a tangible Holy Spirit coming in like a cloud when they built that for the first time. Yeah, that was the yeah that was when when yeah. the, the 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 cloud settled. You know, it was yes, a pillar of fire. So wow. uh, let's uh, for the next one. Let's uh, I, I'm gonna. I think we actually asked this a long time ago, but I think with the you know the gentleman, we'll just kind of go off of this one. I'm sure we have a new audience anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> would you rather witness God's infilling of the temple, the first temple built by Solomon, which we know he came in a pillar of fire and just filled the whole place, right? That would be radical. Or would you wa- rather watch or witness the tongues of fire settling on the new temple, which was the, the church, the people at Pentecost? The upper room. The upper room. So you get a chance to witness God either way. All right. Let's go with Jason first. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the temple, the original, with the cloud and the pillar of fire. I just think building that first place for him to dwell would be pretty magnificent. Yeah. Just that first, here's your home. <laughs> it, and God takes a literal 
I mean, a presence that you can see, that would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, there are no wrong answers here. So <laughs> well, let's go with you next, Rick. Which one would you pick? Uh, you know, I either is good, but uh, I would really like to see, I would have liked to have seen those first believers when they first were zapped with the Holy Spirit's presence, you know, and having God descend on them. And then it caught, you know, and of course, then they immediately start speaking in tongues and whatnot. And uh, that had to have been just, a, just, a, I mean, both probably were just highly magnetic or not even, mag- what, what, what am I looking for? Just like, just awesome experiences that would just completely change your life. But I guess I would pick Pentecost uh, if I had the different, you know, because it's applicable to the New Testament, I suppose. All right. So Stevie, do you have a preference of, of the two? Explain tongue of fire for me. Basically, it was just a, it, when when God filled that presence of the first temple, he came in fire, mm-hmm. in the form of fire. So when it basically he said, okay, from now on, I'm not going to fill a temple, a physical temple anymore. The temple will be my people. And so when he came, it says he came as, as tongues of fire. And tongues are just like, you know, the just the little shoots of fire that, you know, when you watch a campfire. Oh, okay. The little lashes of fire that come out. It looked like little fire campfires descending on people. Um, and I think it was I all representative. A little, little clarification there. We're not 100% sure what tongues of fire look like. All right. I mean, you know. Well, okay. Maybe my question is this. Yeah. Which which one ended with the people speaking in tongues? That would be Pentecost. Okay. I'll choose the other one because that freaks me out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that works. I'm, I'm kind of with you. <laughs> Dur- 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 Durbin might have a story for that one, too. I don't know. I, I do have a story for that one. Why that would freak you out if I'm right. But yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Chris, what would your uh, what, what would you pick? Uh, I'm going to pick uh, Pentecost tongues of fire because I just want to know what that looked like, what that gust of wind felt like, what that loud thunder sounded like. Uh, did it literally look like fire or was tongues of fire just the best description that they possibly had? And the fact that they actually describe something means that they saw something. And I would like to have been there to see that, to experience that. That's that's a very good observation. Yeah. Um, for me, so uh, Stevie mentioned earlier, he's kind of attracted to people that are like uh, very passionate, right? Was that the word you used, passionate? Yes. Um, when the, the the moment of Pentecost happened and they were preaching in languages that they had never heard. Now, it wasn't people like today for a lot of people will say speaking in tongues and it sounds like gibberish. Right. It yeah. wasn't gibberish to them. They right. were it was actually their speaking different right. languages and other people like, hey, I understand that. Um, that, that moment when, when, when they received what Christ had promised them that, that the, that the, the, the comforter would come. Apparently they looked drunk. I could only imagine <laughs> the level of passion that they yeah. had at that. No, moment. I would love to have seen that. I would too. love to have seen that. Apparently they looked drunk. Yeah, they did. <laughs> that is in there. Yeah. No, I would love to have seen that too. Did everybody get a chance to answer that one? I've lost track. I think so. Yeah. All right. Last one. This is kind of a kind of a negative one, but you know it'll challenge. You know we don't like. Uh, I mean, I, you know, especially if we're walking with Christ, I don't think we want to see death or destruction. But uh, so I thought I would like kind of challenge us a little bit on the other side. Everything's all peachy and, and great. This one would be like a tougher one. So would you rather be forced to stone someone to death, <laughs> which they had to do in the Old Testament uh, during the you know, the Levitical law, they, you know, if a person was caught committing adultery, they were required to stone the people to death. Whether they enjoyed it or not, that's what they were required to do. So would you rather have to stone someone to death or would you be, rather be one of the Israelites who had to witness the final plague of Egypt? 
which required them to listen to wailing parents all over Egypt when they lost their firstborn. Yikes. Yikes. This is morbid. <laughs> can I, sorry, can I, I just kick it off to, here? Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I, I would. I would. Uh, I would choose the um, the final plague. Why? Um, because that would be something that comes to fruition. Something that was said, that was spoken, mm-hmm. that they said, "Hey, we're going to do this." You know. This is a warning from God. This is going to happen. And you're like, yeah, whatever, man. And then it's, it's happening. It's, it's, it's torture. It's, it's pain. It's real. There's no magic tricks. There's no, nothing up the sleeve. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the other one is just brutal, you know, the stoning somebody to death. That, that's just sheep doing whatever the shepherd tells them to do, you know, but the other one's a little bit more yeah, solid and, and it's in like, this is God doing something. Are you familiar with the story overall? Because it it was actually nine progressive things yeah, that got worse and worse. Right? Yeah the the locust and then the the the, the, the water frogs, and the blood and the frogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I I love the Ten Commandments. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Charlton Heston, it's a great movie. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that would be, that would be why I would choose that answer. Okay. Yeah. That's a good answer. All right. You Chris, look like you were thinking, what well, are you? I don't, I, okay. I guess I'll go next. Um, yeah. stone someone to death. All right. So I'm, I'm a parent. So the idea of being present for all of the families that did not have the blood of the lamb over the door, mm-hmm. you, in your, in, in your example, you mentioned I'd be an Israelite, so I'd still have my kids, but I'm also a very empathic person. You would hear and see. putting myself into the, the, the sorrow of another parent, just one would be enough, but an entire village or a city of people who lost their firstborn child would seem be, like it'd be emotionally devastating. Um, yeah, I, it, it would, it would be too much for me. I, I, I would rather be guilty of killing somebody because that's what the, the conscription of the law tells me. Well, and you wouldn't be guilty technically because God well, told it, you to do it. Fair, but I would, yeah. I would rather have that on my conscience. Unless Jesus was there and he said, uh, "Whoever's without sin, cast the first stone." Right. 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 So this is all the Old Testament. This right is all Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> Please I, I do not would, stone anybody after this. Uh, podcast. Yeah. I would rather do that than have to suffer all or, or have all those people suffer, if that makes sense. Yeah. But that's trying to be selfless in that answer. Right. But, but I don't know if that really fits the, the scenario you're drawing here. Uh, you know, there's, it's, there's again, no wrong, wrong or right answers. Right. But, uh, Go ahead, Chris. I agree with what Stevie said. The uh, final plague is you're watching something come to fruition, no matter how painful it is, the stoning, it's, you're, you're actively involved in it. And I, don't have the stomach for that. Plus, with that final plague, he did say, put the blood of the lamb on your door. So if you did that, <laughs> he passed over. Right. If you had your listening ears on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm going the same route. Um, I don't want to stun people to death. And even the old Jason doesn't want to do that. <laughs> um, but uh, my reasoning is, you know, just all the people that listened to God and put the blood of the lamb over their door and was saved from that torment just grows them a little closer. It just adds a little more security in, in their belief. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of look at that in our generation now, right. It's kind of where right. my answer is coming from. Right. I want so many people just to realize sure. the truth of God 
that if it takes some plagues and some moans to do it, bring it on. I'm with you on that. Yeah. If, I wish we could have some plagues today just to get people to turn. But, you know, we know we're heading towards well, the great apostasy. They're going to see it so soon. If you're, if you're familiar <laughs> with the Bible, you understand that those days are coming again. They sure are. Yeah, it's true. And it's going to be brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, nothing like that. Yeah. Much I worse. Do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I guess I'll wrap it up. I, I guess uh, I, I'm i kind of with Nate on the fact that, uh, you know, I, I conceal carry. You know, I've said that before on our podcast, and I don't think I could shoot a person unless I absolutely had to, and I certainly wouldn't want to stone somebody for sin. Um, at the same token, I can't even imagine the emotional drain that would be caused by seeing all these people, my heart would go out to them, you know, even if they weren't listening, you know, whatever, because they were just kind of following the Pharaoh. Uh, but at the same token, I would choose to go through that pain and watch the 10th plague because it's, it, you're, it would kind of for a very similar reason as Stevie says, just, I would want to, you know, see that coming to fruition and it's God, you know, it's God doing something that he said he was going to do. And that would indeed like kind of what you said, it would, it would beef my my faith up stoning somebody really wouldn't beef up my faith i'm just being obedient and then i would go and cry <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know with that i would cry but i would also know wow yeah god you know and i'd know yeah. what it means to fear god yeah in the true uh, sense i would i just know myself and i i think both of those scenarios would be a very bad outcome for me nightmares both ways yeah yeah. But at the same time, I just think the idea of being around that much death related to kids. Yard. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it would break me, if I'm honest. Yeah. But... Um, well, there you have it. Sorry we ended with that one, but uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, it is what it is. We'll have to lighten things up with some songs of the week. Ah, that'll do All it. right, we can do that. All right. Okay. Well, Chris, I don't know if you've ever heard the show before, but um, I think Stevie mentioned that you checked out an episode. Uh, this is the part where we each of us bring a Christian song uh, to the table, kind of let the audience discover something new, maybe if they haven't heard before. But uh, is there any Christian song awesome. that speaks to you that you, maybe you've been listening to recently or, or something you've always oh, man. liked? Oh, well, one that give, I've always liked. I gotta, do you want us to I give you a moment? That yeah, okay. That's yeah, fine. yeah. We, we can definitely give me a moment. All right, we're going to go to Pastor Rick. He's always got one ready. Uh, I do. I write them down in advance, and I got lyrics and the whole nine yards here. Of course, my computer's not. Uh, so this week, uh, I thought uh, I went back a little little ways, uh, probably about 10 years, uh, to a group called Starfield. And this song is really speaking to me right now. It's a song called I Will Go. And uh, not only is it rocking, which is very important for me, <laughs> it's got a rock, it's got a wail in my face, or I don't like it. Um, but these words are amazing. To the desperate eyes and reaching hands, to the suffering and the lean, to the ones the world casts aside, where you want, where you want me, I will be. I will go, I will go, I will go, Lord, send me. To the world, to the lost, to the poor and hungry, take everything I am. I'm clay within your hands. I will go. I will go. Send me. 
that's really, uh, you know, that's kind of like my uh, theme song right now. So uh, really speaks to me and it rocks. So check it out. Right on. Okay. So mine is Christ Be Magnified. Oh, what a good song. Um, one of my favorite versions is by Corey Asbury, um, written by Cody Carnes. Uh, some of the lyrics here, it's, um, we were creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry. Then from the North to South and East to West, we'd hear Christ be magnified. We're the whole earth echoing his eminence. His name would burst from the sea and sky from rivers to the mountaintops. We'd hear Christ be magnified. (sighs) It's a good song. Makes me tear up every time I hear it. Yeah. Actually, Hannah shared that with me, my daughter, during uh, when I had COVID. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And here I am, like, you know, kind of sick and blah, you know. And that song just, like, reached into my soul and lifted me up. Nice. It was awesome. Okay. Right. I guess I'll go next. So, there, uh, you guys know I really like Toby Mac. So, I'm going to no. pick his newest <laughs> one. So, uh, it's called Promised Land. I don't know if you've heard this song or not, but it's a different song than what you typically would hear from him. It's a little more longing and uh, his hurt from the loss of his son uh-huh. is definitely felt in this song and uh the whole prem the whole premise of the song is i keep going i keep going where's my promised land mm. and it, it it's definitely he's ready basically it's almost like the song is like i'm ready to go home almost so give it a listen and see if you pick up on the the tone of that i'm i'm di- i'm trying to diagnose it with here okay Chris? Well, I'm kind of an odd duck here. So I have one song that I could do that's kind of normal, but I'm going to do my unnormal one first. Um, (laughs) You ever heard Carmen? And uh, he has that song, Satan, Bite the Dust. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, that one, because I was nine years old and I was told I was going to a Christian concert and I went, oh, no. Because <laughs> Christians are boring. They are so boring, right? That's what a nine-year-old thinks. And any Christian event you go to is going to be boring. I go to this Carmen concert and here I am in a stadium, not a church. And then people dressed up like demons come walking through the crowds and Carmen puts on a cowboy hat, puts on a belt and pulls out a six shooter and starts shooting demons on stage. And I'm like, seriously, Jesus can be cool. Are you serious? <laughs> no way. But for me, like as a nine-year-old, I have to say that was just an eye-opener because, you know, I've always loved acting. I've always loved entertainment. I've always wanted to be a part of that in some way. And I kind of always thought that if I wanted to have fun in entertainment, I couldn't do anything Christian. And when I saw Carmen, that was the life-changing experience where I went, you mean Christians can have fun and do things that are entertaining? And then... As I got older, um, I, I dealt with bouts of anxiety after I moved to California and, you know, learning to trust God more and stuff. And there's a song by Rin Collective called More Than Conquerors. And I don't know if you guys have heard that one, but good one. Yeah. that's a good one. And that one really spoke to me going through anxiety and to re- what to really kind of sing and declare to myself when I'm going through it. And I had to learn to practice that. It was very difficult, but it was a it was a song that really spoke to me in a good time when I needed it. Right on. Nice. I we have not gone back as far as Carmen. That I think that's the oldest song so far. Well, no, actually, no, yeah, I, I went to the seventies one time or seventies. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Striper, right? It had to be Striper to hell with the devil. Yeah. Went for in the seventies was Norm Green, Norm Greenbaum, uh, Spirit in the Sky. I did that one time. Oh, nice. <laughs> you know, Chris, I, I've told people this before. My whole claim to fame, the the most awesome thing that ever happened to me is that my name is literally listed on the inside of a striper 
CD. They do a, they did a thank you. You are my hero now. They did all these thank yous <laughs> and it said thank you to Pastor Rick Rieger and Cross Point Community Church was the last church that I, uh, th- that I started uh, back in 2000. And yeah, it was cool. And I got a Christmas card from the drummer that year signed, you know, Robert Sweet 777. It was the most cool thing that ever happened to me. Nice. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I want your autograph. That That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So, Stevie, I, I don't know if you have a, a song that kind of fits the tune, but is there a song that's kind of speaking to you now? It could be secular or Christian in nature. doesn't really matter. No. <laughs> that's fine. No, and, 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 I, and I mean that, like, like on all levels. Like, not only do I do I completely grab on to nine-year-old Durbin's way of thinking, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I'm, all, I'm also at an empath with music myself. Like, I, I haven't listened to music in probably over a year besides... What? Yeah, besides what I play at my shows, yeah. Wow. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of bored with it. What's your favorite song to play at your shows? Ooh, that's what I was actually going to ask him that too, so it's interesting. Um, my favorite song to perform is one that I don't play very often unless it's requested, um, and that's Snuff by Slipknot. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so... It, it, it's the acoustic uh, version, folks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that the the original is acoustic. Also. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, no, it, it's uh, it's a song about it. Just it 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 just tugs at the heartstrings. So um, okay, and a very deep level that I probably shouldn't go into right here. So okay, yeah. Copy. <laughs> I'll check it out. Um, okay. Final thoughts, sir. Final thought. Wow, and I wasn't even ready. Oh the final God. thought for today it comes to us from Matthew chapter twenty-four, verse fourteen. And it simply says, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. And I picked that because today I was looking at some statistics and the generation that's living right now is the first generation in all of the last couple of thousand years since Christ that can say that Every country has a growing Christian church. This is the first generation in 2000 years that can say that they did. It went back a few years ago. um, And this is back in 2018, 19, something like that. There were, uh, well, I'm sorry, go back to 2000. There were over 3000 people groups because it says here, uh, it says it will be preached throughout the world so that all nations, what that word is, is ethnos, which means ethnicity, which means people people groups, uh, ethnic groups. So at the time they had labeled a major, you know, Barna group, uh, major missions groups had identified over 3000 people groups or ethnic groups that had no, nobody was targeting them. No one, there were no Christians in those, you know, in those countries, in those areas. And they have whittled that down to where a couple of years ago we were down to 140 and they anticipated and all of them had been adopted. That means somebody's currently working on it and they believe within the next three to a maximum of about eight or 10 years, that was from a 2018, that all people groups would have, would have been engaged with the good news of Christ. That means this, you know, this prophecy here, this Jesus's word here, he's saying, you know, all people groups will hear about the word and then the end will come. If that doesn't make us realize that while we are getting close I can add a little bit to that. Sure. So if you've uh, if you've ever been to the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., they have a room where they have... I just went. Oh, so you know what I'm talking about. 
So the uh, in this room, there is a, a version of the Bible of every language collected, mm-hmm. and they haven't bought them all yet. So uh, if it's if it's a language that they have a version of the Bible, the, that version of the Bible is on the shelf, and it says the name of the language. And then there's a section of, all right, here's the ones we've purchased but not yet received. Then there's the ones of, here are the ones that are currently being written, and here are the ones that are not yet written for all the different known languages on the planet. And it's really cool to see just how much of that room is already in process and what only this little section that is not yet written. Wow. So really the, uh, with all that being said, the final thought is this, you know, wherever you are with God, whether you believe, whether you don't believe, whether you attend church, whether you don't attend church, the fact is, is there's really only one right answer. Either God is real and therefore heaven and hell are real. And we're going to spend eternity in one of those two places or not. One of those two answers are true. And so uh, with, you know, with all of the prophecies of the Bible being fulfilled and with this kind of last little, little one here, just getting so close that literally any day it could be filled. I don't think our time, you know, is, is very long before Jesus comes back. So seek, seek and you will find, ask, you know, and you will have an answer, knock and the door will be open. So press in, press in, get your answers because we don't have long. That's right. And I know I do want to say thank you to our, our guest today, Chris. Mm-hmm. It was very nice to get to know you as well, and you as well, Stevie. Thank you. So, thank you for having us. And uh, yeah, thank you. I want to give an extra special props to Stevie because uh, coming in and, and having a chat with us uh, from your perspective may not have been easy. So thank you for that. Oh yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. Yeah, thanks. And so he's much. a wonderful artist. So if y'all uh, get a chance to see him live, I've yeah. heard him, and he's actually pretty darn good. So well, they both have yeah. YouTube channels. So Stevie, uh, how can they find you on YouTube? Oh, you can find me in two different places. Uh, if you like um, discussions with people of different walks of life uh, with no agenda, you can go to Studio 47 Presents, where I do a podcast of talking to such people. Or if you like movies and junk, then I also have a movie channel called Film Trigger, uh, which is um, you know where we just talk about movies and do live watch parties and movie news. And Durbin also has a YouTube channel specific for movies, so I hand it over to Durbin now. Okay, yeah, that's right, I, I do. It's called Durbania, and uh, you can find movie reviews and movie talk there. But I think what I do unique there is I like to do a Christian perspective on the movies. So I like to uh-huh. grab my favorite Marvel movies or DC movies and use their plots to talk about God and how they might picture God. And and I'm just finished up one on E.T. that I'm in the middle of editing right now. And uh, also, if you're a fan of the show The Chosen, and yes, I do work for them, so I'm going to do a shameless plug. <laughs> I have done a lot of Chosen talk on my channel. So if you want to dig deep into The Chosen with me, I've been building a whole new audience, kind of just diving deep into that show. And I would love to have you as part of the conversations of that as well. So, awesome. so Chris, I'm going to give you a little, uh, a little uh, heads up that you might be able to use. If you check out the Babylon Bee, uh, during this podcast, they released a uh, a new uh, one of their articles that says that there's now a new Bible coming out with a warning on it, the front of it that says this does contain spoilers for The Chosen. While we were on this podcast, The Chosen People texted me that very thing, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, you you might have to mention to uh, your millions of subscribers <laughs> that you're on this podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not millions of subscribers, but I will tell them to come check out this podcast. Awesome. If two or three of them check out ours, we could double. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> 
Well, thank you guys so much for being on. And uh, folks, I hope you enjoyed this show. Thanks for tuning in. Um, if you caught this episode and, and you're not quite there yet, if you're not quite a believer yet, you know, press press in, read the Bible, uh, ask God to show himself. Uh, do a few prayers and um, see if you can see God move in your life. And if you are a believer and you have friends and people in your life that aren't don't be obnoxious don't be obnoxious <laughs> uh don't don't jam jesus down their throat and instead live in the light and show them your light and Amen. be the christ follower you were meant to be and they will see that and they will seek they will want some of that so with that um well i mean i have four people to say goodbye to but say good night rick good night rick good night nate Good night, Nate. Good night, Chris. Good night, Steve. <laughs> Good night, Steve. Good night. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.